Hey everyone, good morning. Uh, day two of the round of 16 of 2023 African Cup of Nations. And today we're going to be previewing today's matches, which are going to be Guinea versus Equatorial Guinea in Stade de Bimpe in Abidjan, which I plan on being at just uh, in a few hours here. And the second match is going to be Egypt versus DR Congo uh, later at 8 p.m. in San Pedro, uh, I think 400 or 500 kilometers west of Abidjan. So we'll start with Egypt versus DR Congo, as usual, I'm kind of mean to the smaller teams out here and I, and I don't pay as much attention to them as I should. But Egypt versus DRC, um, let's start with the team news. Egypt don't have Mohamed Salah, obviously he's back at Liverpool receiving treatment, presumably so that he can return faster if Egypt make a run. Imam Ashur, one of their uh, more impressive ball-progressing, ball-playing midfielders, um, is also out of this match. He suffered a concussion in a training session. I think somebody told me it was while he was trying to do a somersault, which would be uh, pretty frustrating, I think, if you're the Egyptian national team. Um, but glad he's okay, and I'm assuming he's going to be out for maybe this match and maybe, maybe one other match, but he should be back soon. And also, the Egyptian goalkeeper, Mohamed Shinawi, uh, is out with a muscular injury. I think he's out for the entire tournament, so... I think we can expect either uh, Gebeski, who was, you know, the penalty shootout hero at the last Afghan, or maybe even uh, Shubir, maybe as a third goalkeeper. I need to, I didn't even check who their third goalkeeper is, but I think it should be Shubir. Um, yeah, maybe it's Ahmed Shinawi. I don't know, but the point is, Egypt have a lot of big injury problems, um, and as a result. Let's say Imam Ashur is not going to be in midfield. I think they're going to play with less creative midfield. I think it's going to be Hamdi Fathi, Marwan Atiyah, and Mohamed Anani. Anani is going to come back uh, into this lineup after he was criticized for being um, too much of a safe midfielder in possession of the ball. People felt that Egypt was more creative when he was subbed off, not necessarily Mohamed Salah. Um, there has been a lot of criticism in Egypt on how this national team has defended. Um, they've conceded two goals in every single match. And we've talked ad infinitum about how Pep Guardiola praised Rivitoria for uh, you know, his side at Benfica being difficult to break down. But at this tournament, everybody's breaking Egypt down. Two goals, two goals, two goals. And it's something that should be uncharacteristic for Rivitoria, but what concerns me a little bit is that in the press conferences or when he's asked to explain why this is happening he'll say ah we just had you know five minutes lack of concentration and they scored two goals that's not <laughs> it's not like that's that's the stupidest excuse and it's not just him so many coaches make this excuse and players make this excuse uh we just had a lack of concentration okay that doesn't that doesn't explain the structural reasons why you conceded a goal you 11 men don't have a collective lapse, lapse of concentration at the same time. Anyways, uh, so maybe they are individual errors, but if they are individual errors, it's your job as a coach. It's your responsibility to figure that out. So I'm actually expecting the Egypt of old, the Egypt of the last African Cup of Nations to come back with less ball-progressing midfield, with the criticism of their defending, without Mohamed Salah, uh, with a backup goalkeeper, I think Rivitoria is going to say, you know what, let's go back to our 4-3-3. We're going to put in more defensive midfielders. Uh, we're going to bring in players like Trezeguet and Mohamed Mustafa who are in form. Um, let them try to create off of set pieces or let them try to harry defenders and maybe score a goal that way. Like 
Osiman set up the goal yesterday. And let's surf on our football heritage because we are the Egyptian national team. And maybe we can get by in the uh, in the ex- in extra time or late in the match. So I think we're going to see the Egypt of old here. And on the opposite side of the pitch, DR Congo, I think, will have much more of the ball. Um, DR Congo, we haven't talked about them much, but they have been one of the sides that have played the best football at this tournament. Um, maybe Senegal, yes. Morocco, yes. But DR Congo have been up there, and they took the game to Morocco, and they played better in the second half. The attacking midfield in particular has been very good. Uh, Wissa from Brentford, Kakuta. I don't know where Kakuta's playing right now. Maybe in Turkey. Bongonda uh, playing in Russia. Mutasami uh, playing in France. That Mutasami is not an attacking midfielder. He plays behind them. But they've been very, very good. Kakuta with his line-breaking passes. Uh, Wissam Bongonda with their ball-carrying, dribbling, and uh, feeding to the striker. The one problem has been striker, in my opinion. Cedric Bakambu did a great job of setting up one goal. But over the three matches, he's been... I would say subpar. He's been he's been disappointing, and for me, this is a feature of Cedric Bakambu's career at the Afcon. Anyways, you know there are some players, they get to an Afcon and they step up, like Emilio and Sue from Equatorial Guinea, who we're going to talk about in a second, and there are others who don't, like Pierre Emerick Obama Yang, like Cedric Bakambu. They're just not players made for the Afcon. I was more impressed with DR Congo's other striker, uh, Fiston Mayale, and they have C- Simon Banza. They have a few different striking options. That's why. The thing with a player like Bakambu is he has a big personality. Personality. He has a lot of influence over other players in the dressing room, and you don't want to, I guess, like maybe stir that up. But in my opinion, I would play Fistan Mayale. The way he chases down defenders, again, similar to Osiman yesterday, his physicality, uh, his willingness to shoot the ball on goal from almost any angle, anywhere on the pitch, his confidence. I think he's ready to assume that role, and if he does, that could give Egypt some problems. Um, but I am expecting DR Congo to have most of the ball, maybe 55% possession. I'm expecting Egypt to sit back, be more compact, be more defensively solid. Um, and I think this game is going to go to extra time and it can go either way. Just because Egypt have more experience in this position, I think I'm going to say Egypt squeak by in a very, very close match with maybe one goal separating the two teams. If DR Congo managed to win this match and win it convincingly, they're going to rise in a lot of people's esteem as one of the contenders that could win this tournament as well. So this is going to be a very important match, very interesting match, and I can't wait to watch. Let's talk about the second match, uh, Equatorial Guinea versus Guinea. Um, this is a classic example of a side with better players and a side that is a better team. Guinea obviously have the better players, players like Nebi Keita, Madhu Diawara, Elix Moriba, um, Siru Girassi, Mohamed Bayo. Mukhtar Diakabi, and as a result, they're everybody's dark horse, you know, especially people that don't watch too much African football or didn't see how they performed in the qualifiers. Um, and they are an interesting side to watch because, again, you look at that team on paper and you say, you know, if they, if they could just get their act together. But um, they haven't been poor. They haven't been great in this tournament, whereas Equatorial Guinea have been great. Um, there's also the problem in the dressing room for, for Guinea. They are dealing with bonus rows. Their team hasn't trained a few days. They trained, I think, yesterday, but they didn't train for a, f- a few days ago. Um, money problems, and they're also dealing with the problem of players coming back, star players coming back. Amadou Diawara, Nebi Keita, um, 
who else? Siru Girassi. All these players were injured. They're leaders of the squad. They're the biggest names in the squad. They're coming back. But the players that they're replacing were players that have been very good in this tournament. Players like Ibrahim uh, Keita uh, as the right back. Players like Morgan Gilavogi. Players like Mohamed Bayo. And I wonder if that can upset the balance as well. You know, um, yeah. So there, th those are two things that concern me with Guinea is the fact that they weren't training really because of the bonus rows, and then also the maybe discontent of some of the younger players who might feel like they've done a good job in this tournament, and then being replaced by the star players in the knockout stages, who come back from injury and or suspension. Equatorial Guinea, uh, I loved what Juan Misha had to say in his press conference about. We are humble. We can never forget where we come from. This is our strength. Our strength is that we remain focused. We remain, you know, present with our feet on the ground. I mean, just the absolute right thing to say. And a clear classic example of a coach knowing who his team are, why they are where they are, and how they're going to continue to propagate success. Um, in their defensive shape, I think there's nobody better than Equatorial Guinea. Uh, it's Which is a funny thing to say when you're talking about a team that scored nine goals in, in three group stage matches. But... What I love so much is that even their wingers, players like Ivan Salvador on the right, or Miranda on the left, they tuck in. They do so much defensive work, um, just closing down any half space, putting pressure on, on the opposing defenders as they're carrying the ball forward. Uh, just really, really great job of everybody buying in when it's time to defend. And... As a result, teams, I believe, get more frustrated, they commit more players forward, and they leave spaces behind them. And that's where Equatorial Guinea has punished teams time and time again. Uh, to top all of that, they've been uh, their goalkeeper, Jesus Owono, has been in great form. So, look, uh, according to logic, better team versus better players, I'm always going to go with the better team. So I think Equatorial Guinea should win this match. Um, and I think they're going to win by two goals. I think this is going to be 2-0 or 3-1. So far, I'm not not to brag, but my predictions have been spot on so far. I did say that Nigeria would beat Cameroon uh, by a goal. They won by two. And I did say that Angola would beat Namibia by a few goals. So I'm curious to see how long I can keep successfully predicting these matches. But I do think, to recap, Egypt win a razor-tight match, maybe in extra time. Uh, and then I do believe that Equatorial Guinea win this match uh, against Guinea by maybe one or even two goals. Let's say, let's say two goals. For, for the uh, Nzalang Nacional. Anyways, thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to check back in after the match uh, with a, after the Egypt match with a press con oh, with a press conference, with a podcast uh, recapping the action of the day. Hope you're ready to watch this amount of football as I am, and I'll speak soon.